everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Liberty Squadron Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Cady, and this week I'm joined with Jonathan Lee. Hello, everybody. And Brett Freeman. You hesitated. I think you were going to say my name first. I, I wanted to give you that hope before I killed it. Fair enough. The hope that kills. How's everybody doing? I uh I played X Wing yesterday, so I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? That into that. Was that in person X Wing or uh, it, tabletop TF? It was in person X Wing. I uh, a buddy and I went to a local store up up north where I am and uh, just played three games. Um, it was it was very fun to get the ships on the table. Although I have to say, boy, have I gotten spoiled with being able to like change out a list in like three clicks instead of you know the five minutes it actually takes to get everything out, put everything back. It was, it was a little exhausting. <laughs> I, I I I actually said, boy, can we just like play on the computer? <laughs> the first world problem. Yeah, yeah, seriously, right? Exceptionally so. Exceptionally so. So what were you flying? So I was flying my new favorite X-wing ship, uh, Overdrive Poe, because he's just so ridiculously fun to fly. Um, if People have not given him a try yet, and I, I expect a lot of people have. Um, but if you haven't, he's incredibly fun. That flexibility with the two-speed barrel rolls or uh, boosts can just really put him in a lot of cool spots. Uh, and it finally turns him, it seems like, into like the endgame ace that we've always wanted Poe to be. Uh, so, yeah, I'm kind of obsessed with flying that ship right now. And he had, like, Ray and, and ZZ with him, but... It it was really the Poe show in my mind. And which Poe is it? Just you know, just to be sure. The the original, you know, PTL Poe. The uh, trigger happy flyboy. Trigger happy flyboy. Yeah, not not Commander Poe. Right. right. Interesting. Not the say I would check that out, but I really just don't play Resistance at all. Or do I own any of it? So, I'll take your word for it. Well, if you ever want to have fun, throw that up on the, you know, TTS or Fly Casual or whatever, and you will enjoy yourself. I don't enjoy having right. fun, so. Yeah, I was going to say Zach doesn't like. Mm-hmm. I'm very anti-fun. Why? <laughs> I, I had read. I read a blog. Uh, I think I read a blog, an X-wing blog post. I forget who posted it, but Ollie Pocknell had like shared it about um, that list you were talking about, Brett. Yes, I I saw that one as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Mine was kitted out slightly differently, but but not much differently. I mean, it's it's one of those lists where when you're putting Overdrive and Ray and ZZ in the list, there's very little room for more than just, like, the standard upgrade, so there's not a lot of ways to tweak it, but um, it's it's a very solid, fun list, for sure. Nice. Well, glad you get to play in person. That's pretty cool. Thank you. Pretty it's, cool. It's definitely good to get on the table and use all those, you know, actual toys. Other than when you get tired of of Using having to set them up, yeah. I just need was to get back. Was your arm like really sore the next day? Like, you know, that pushing action? It, it was not, no. But my feet oh, were okay. pretty sore. Oh, okay. Ending is tired. Mm-hmm, it is. 
I, I would make fun of you, but I played a not actually, but another miniatures game at home a few weeks ago, and like it was the first like particularly long game I played in a while, and my legs were killing me the next day, and I felt really bad about that. So everyone, make sure you're getting your exercise. Should have said this earlier, but stay healthy. Um, so let's move on to news. It's not a ton of news, but there's there's a few things we could hit on. Brett with our newscast. Brett, are you talking? I was talking, sorry. Um, to myself apparently. So, um, yeah, not much in the way of, of news. Uh, AMG gave us some very minor announcements. Um, they gave us the remaining um, cards or upgrade cards for the, uh, the new Epic ship that's coming out at the end of June, uh, which is not really something I think we need to get into. And they announced that uh, they're really basically done with FFG's website. Their, their own website should be uh, launching very soon, and that's where they will be having preview articles moving forward uh for this this uh release they are not doing any preview articles they were just doing the uh twitter and facebook posts but uh moving forward we will at least be getting more preview articles um there's also a an in-person tournament on june 12th at east coast gamers uh it's 24 people i think that they have probably reached their cap based on what i've seen on facebook um but i did read that they might be looking to expand it potentially uh, so if anyone is looking for a uh, tournament next weekend, uh, from when we're recording it, uh, that could be a really fun event. Uh, 24 people seems like the biggest thing in our area that's that's been happening, so uh, go go pew pew. Uh, and then I guess as far as like tournament news goes, there was a uh, Gold Squadron podcast tournament this weekend, um, which was filled with some very uh, surprising lists. Um, it was won by a Han Solo, a scum Han Solo, which you never really see, uh, who was paired with Fenrau and two tugboats, so tugboats coming back. Um, it, uh, I, I think the, uh, the guy won all of his games, if I recall correctly, so he was like 10-0. So, uh, I don't know, it might be worth looking into. I watched a couple of the games. Uh, it was it was a, a cool list, um, and the surprising part was the cut was just filled with shock tea in the uh, the the eight two, um, which is not really a pilot I've spent much time looking at. So uh, I think there were five total in the tournament and like four in the cut. So that that was an interesting uh, data point there, and there were zero rebels in the cut. Not a single one, which they have been dominating. So, I don't know what that means. I think it means that this tournament was run in Australian time and people were just having fun. But, uh, either way, it's uh, the the first big tournament we've had in a couple weeks. So, there's some interesting uh, lists there on List Fortress if you want to check it out. And that's all I got. Yeah, I'd be really interested to see, know why this is such a weird... After such like a oddly stable because of how small the meta actually is online. It was actually quite stable. Interesting to see it go so far in a different direction. Yeah, like there were there were eight Dengars and only nine Haras. Like 
I, I know you love your Dengar, right? But I, I think that you would agree right now we're seeing a lot more Harrows than Dengars usually. So it's shocking. Yeah. It's a bit shocking. It helps me wonder, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't got any theories on this one. So uh, I heard, like, so the uh, the school, the Pentacle ship is coming out at this month, correct? Yeah, uh, June 25th. I heard like um, that AMG, they're going to be doing a points release too. Is that correct? So they said that they that. would be releasing uh, points for the new releases, but it sounds like the regular points update is going to be delayed until probably September or October. So right, yeah, right. we're going to be stuck here in this, this meta uh, for quite a while based on what I was reading. Bump, 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 bump. Well... Luckily, we're still just just starting to come out of the the dark times and playing in person. And I think I still think it's very hard to say what the meta is at card because all we've seen as far as tournament results online, like we've said many times in the podcast, is like the same twenty people. Yeah. Um... So I do think the meta is much more. Maybe it's not much more open, but the possibilities are still open because it hasn't been fully explored in any way, shape, or form yet. No, Brett, I was thinking about that Haratani list mm -hmm. that you had told me about and that I played, and I was thinking about points, and I have a hard time picturing how they could nerf it with points, if it, or even if it... Let's just say it needs to be nerfed if it, for sake of argument, but I have a hard time seeing how they could. I think that if it's a problem, they would have to address Hera, but I don't see how they could change it with points since there's actually a lot of give for points there. Because, like, Garvin is super, is, like, kind of disposable. So there's lots of places you could shave points off that list. Yeah, right, like, you could swap Garvin out just for a generic and not really lose that much. Um, and if you had to get rid of Leia, like, that that's something that could easily be done i think so i agree yeah. i think it's going to be tough to necessarily balance that one just with points i will be very interested to see i mean if it's if it's like what ffg used to do i mean harry will go up like six points benthic will go up four um you know moldy crow will probably go back up uh moldy crow just has such a a rough history in 2.0 and uh and yeah garvin would probably go up just so you have to make you probably would have to sacrifice two things from the list, would be my guess, based on what FFG has done in the past. I feel like, even if they, yeah, I mean, you could just, if you drop Garvin to the generic and drop Leia, that saves you, and then you drop the Thread Tracers, you could shave, you can save, like, like a lot of points. Yeah, 15, it's... 12, 14, like, a lot. And you can't, I can't conceive of them increasing the price of this list, like, by 15 points. Yeah, and that would be one of the biggest increases... Uh, that we would have seen ever so. Um, so if they, you know, if they decide to deal with it, then I think they have to just change Hera's text again. <laughs> yeah, and to be like I don't know, once per turn, or like they'd have to do something like that. I don't know. But it's I don't know how. I guess we have to see how it does in a wide, like a real meta. Yeah, I think oh. it's about time Bantek Chuchu gets nerfed. <laughs> too good for too long. That's true. Uh, there is one more piece of news, actually, I forgot. Uh, 
Team USA won their their first uh, round of the XTC. So, you know, go USA. 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 If, if people have not seen that match between Nicholas God and uh, Carson Ray, go check that out. It was one of the most exciting matches of X-Wing I've ever seen. Interesting. Actually, I haven't seen it. You will uh, enjoy it for sure. You know, I I guess I haven't watched a lot of TT, um, you know, tabletop t- um, tabletop simulator X-wing. I, I watched a lot of like the old of like the recorded streams, like the um, tabletop actual tabletop streams, but like I haven't seen a lot of the uh, you know tabletop simulator X-wing. Yeah, the one thing I gotta say that is nice about TTS, well, there's more than just one nice thing, but one thing in particular is uh, when you get like high production values in the streams, it it does kind of just look like you're watching people play. But I I I get it for sure. Uh, I mean, it's it feels kind of weird to just watch people playing their TTS X-wing. Sorry, Zach, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was just agreeing with John. I don't think I've watched a TTS game outside of the stuff that like we. Hosted and ran. They only have watched a recording of a TTS game. Like, I, don't know, I guess maybe I, th- I think I would enjoy it because, like, back, I used to watch, like, sometimes I'd watch recorded Vassal games. <laughs> so if you could watch a Vassal game, you can watch. Like, watching yeah, a Vassal game is like watching people play computer chess. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> One thing, also, in addition, it's just so nice when the bumps are done instantaneously. That is probably actually the worst part of in-person X-Wing, not actually getting the cards out for five minutes, is just having to do those bumps. And, you know, we're all out of practice, bumping ships and everything. So, you know, at least, you know, uh, when you're I watching like a TTS game, that the board state is going to be constant. I like railroading things. Make little choo-choo sounds in my head as I push <laughs> along the track. Fair enough. When you have to mark, like, five ships, though, just to be able to put the templates down, just to be able to put the ships back down, just to go choo-choo, it's a little tiring. You've obviously never lived the T.O. life. I have not. And then, in the end, you decide, yeah, you're right, that ship wouldn't actually have moved. Yeah, it, it stays exactly where it is. <laughs> you're like, you know, I think maybe it'll clear. Let's mark all these ships. You're like, no, it bumps on the other side. Let's put everything back. But hey, <sighs> at least we have good TOs like you, Zach, who enjoy doing stuff like that. Making me nostalgic. Making me nostalgic. Um, but back in the Paratonic thing, I did have one thing I wanted to ask you guys before we moved on. Um, do you think they would ever have two different point values for Moldy Crow for Scum and Rebels? I think they could. I think that they could and that they probably should even. I don't see why they're needs to be that level of consistency there. I think it's something interesting to explore. I do think for particular Rebels, it's one of those weird things too, right? Like for one or two pilots on Rebels, I think it is particularly good. I think for maybe one scum pilot, it's particularly good, but I don't think it's necessary. I think it's a lot less necessary on a bunch of scum hawks, right? Uh, I mean, it's it's honestly good on everyone, but especially the new Scumhawks that they just came out with, none of those really utilize Moldy Crow at all. 
it's all in the uh, the turret arc. So yeah, for especially those, um, it it is not as necessary as it would be for a rebel hawks. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Don't get me wrong. It is the type of upgrade that no matter what, you could put on the generic, and it drastically ups how good the generic is. Makes these so bone off, the best ship in the game. It does. So going off of that baseline, it's just more of a how much better is it for certain pilots over others. But yeah, I don't know. Something that'd be interesting to see if maybe that's a way of fixing. Like the vast majority, I mean, everybody, everybody builds with like an app or a web-based squad builder, right? Nobody's exactly. printing out the PDFs. So you could even, I mean, no reason why things couldn't cost different for every faction or even for different pilots if you want, rather than nerf a certain upgrade out of to oblivion because it's really good on one pilot, you could, you know, just cost it differently for that pilot. Actually, what I was going to bring up next was that in particular. So, probably like we've been over secret on the podcast. I've been playing a bunch of other minis games here in the past 12 months. And yeah, like a bunch of other minis games does have like individual upgrade costs by pilots or by like individual models, right? So, it'd be interesting to see, you know, a way to kind of even further fine-tune X-Wing in the future is, yeah, on Kyle Katarn, it's wildly expensive. On Dace Bonarm, it's practically nothing, because Dace needs the help. Yeah, and that that was always one of my biggest criticisms of FFG, was that they were just so concerned with making, uh, like, the points documents too complicated, Right, so like they they didn't want to do limited uh, ship chassis because that's just an extra, you know, column on their spreadsheet that would make it you know too difficult. Uh, I hope that AMG uh, goes away from that, and you know I think we could all deal with a little bit more complexity in the points document, particularly since like Jonathan said we're all using you know squad builders anyway. Uh, if it yeah. made the game more balanced. Agreed. Um, cool. Anything else you want to talk about from the news section? Nothing I can think of. All right. Then let's head right into this episode's topic. Um, so we've been thinking about a few different things we want to talk about in the podcast. And kind of one of the things that I kept coming back to is looking towards shops opening back up, in-person X-Wing opening back up. Um... We're all going to be, you know, starting to play in person again. There's going to be people passing by as we're playing games that see what we're playing and think that's interesting. And then also just something you, Jonathan, you and I were talking a bit about before we started recording is like, I also just honestly think that there are going to be a number of people that played before everything happened, before the pandemic, and then now just maybe can't get themselves motivated to go back to stores. Or maybe they've moved on to other games or moved on to other things or outgrown the hobby. Whatever it is. I think, like, we're going to be losing some people as we head back into playing in person. So one of the things that I I personally think of from a community perspective is how do we bring... How do we get both old people excited about the game again, and how do we bring new people into the game? So I kind of just want to talk about that tonight a little bit, get everyone's opinion, do a little bit of a roundtable on this, and just what we kind of think you... If you are a listener and you're, you know trying to bring in some more new people getting interested at your store. What are some things that you could do? 
Um, so the first things I want to start off with, the, I, we've talked about this a bit in the past, but it's a good way of, you know, looking back to look forward. Uh, how did you guys first hear about X-Wing? Brett? Oh. Um, Fire with you first. So I heard about X-Wing when it first came out, and I chose not to buy anything or, or even like consider starting to play. I was... Uh, just finishing up school, and I was like, I, I don't know what this is. I It looks like something where you just, like, literally move stuff around the table and pretend you're shooting at stuff. And I didn't realize there was, like, such a, you know, an actual rule set and that it was, a, like, a competitive-type game. So it was something that I kept seeing, like, in Target as I would walk by. And eventually, after The Force Awakens came out, I just was like, you know what? There's, like, this massive clearance on this thing. I think I got my starter set for, like, $10. And I was like... I'm, I'm just going to give it a try. It showed up. I, I had no one to play with, so I made my wife uh, play with me. And by the end of that week, I had dropped like $300 buying all new stuff because I was hooked literally from like the moment I watched their FFG's like learn to play video. Um, I just remember like opening, like being so excited for the dials. I couldn't wait to get my starter set so I could see how the dials worked because they looked so cool. Um, they looked cooler than they actually were with, you know, it all just being cardboard and everything. But... Uh, so, yeah, that's, I had kind of a big build-up, kept seeing it, and finally gave in to the temptation. Nice. And Jonathan? So, um, so X-Wing is it's the only minis game I played, I play now, and or I've ever played. And I was actually, I listened to a lot of podcasts, and back, I used to listen, I listened to this podcast, used to listen to a lot of role-playing game podcasts, and one of them back in the day, it was called the Jankcast, I don't think they cast anymore, but they had a section where they're like, hey, what have you played this last week that's like different from our normal RPG group stuff, and they'd say, I played this board game or that board game, and that's where I heard about X-Wing, when someone was like, oh, we play, you know, in our downtime, we go to the Dice Dojo in Chicago and play X-Wing, and I heard about it there. And then I think I went on to Amazon to buy some. This is back in, it was uh, first edition, it was Wave 2. Wave 2, because it was before, like, the Lambda and Hawk had come out. Nice. Yeah, so I bought some there, and then it sat on my shelf, and I didn't open it or play it. And the reason was a local, I, I thought the idea of going to a local game store actually felt kind of weird to me before I started doing it. I'd be like, just say, go to the game store, play with strangers. It it didn't click because I would never think to do that with like a board game or with other types of games. So um, then, um, and also the local game store uh, showcase comics. They they had a Tuesday night game, and then I always <laughs> had simultaneous. I had a class at the gym that I always went to on Tuesday nights. But um, but then you know things changed and then I was able to go and then um, the comic book store and then uh, started playing and I think I met Zach maybe six months after I started like going in person to play you know that might have been 2014 I'm just guessing somewhere around there yeah that's when I moved to Philly you were you were the first person I played with in Philly oh yeah or because like yeah, I would play with, uh, I'd be the one of the, it'd be me or one or two other people who would show up at Showcase Comics, and then, um, oh, we met at the Showcase in Bryn Mawr, didn't we? Yeah, I started trying to get people to come out to Bryn Mawr, which was very short-lived. Uh, it's, that's so much closer to my house, but, 
it, than the other one, but like the other one is closer to where I work. Yeah, at the time it was much closer to my house. I really liked that one, but we never really start. got more than just like the couple of us showing up. Yeah. But nice. Yeah, for me it was I was back in the US in between the couple of years that I spent living in South Korea. And I went to like a Barnes and Noble to just load up on some books. It's not exactly the easiest finding a good selection of English books in Korea. And just happened to be walking through like the game section and saw like an end cap for X Wing and kind of similar for you, Jonathan. To you, Jonathan. I think this must have been like if it wasn't wave one, it was early wave two of 1.0. And I was just like, well, this looks cool. And I like picked it up on the spot. And I think I picked up like one or two more like X Wings and TIE Fighters before I went back to Korea. And then just got some various random people to play with me at a friend of ours owned a restaurant there. So he'd let us just post up at a table for as long as we wanted. And we would just post up there on like Saturday or Sunday afternoons and push spaceships around on just a literal like restaurant booth table was our play space. And then whenever anyone like for that next year while I was there, whenever anyone went back to the States or to Canada, like we always like gave them a shopping list of see if you can get these ships for us. Because otherwise it was like a couple hundred dollars to ship like a Millennium Falcon when it came out to oh, us. Yeah. Like we saw it come out, we all wanted it, and then we saw how much it was to ship it to Korea and we're like, eh, I don't know if I want to pay Spend a hundred dollars on a small plastic Millennium Falcon. Um, but yeah, so it was that, and then when I got back, like, I, but I never really played anything organized. It was always just like, like I said, I think we had like two or three X wings, and then like four or five Tie Fighters. Like that was the entire collection. And so when I finally got back to the states. I decided to go check out what one of my local gaming stores in Michigan at the time that I knew of. And it just so happened that that I went on like a Thursday that Saturday they were holding a tournament and I was like oh all right I'll buy a couple chips off you guys right now and show up at the tournament. I must admit not the most welcoming group of people <laughs> at that tournament. I'll fully admit I, I like that store a lot. I'm not going to name any names. They really kind of put me off for a hot second. But then I moved to Philly shortly thereafter and then kind of met Jonathan and realized that there was actually a really good community if you're going to the right places. But yeah, I was think it's also just kind of that made me think about this topic is that like my first like real community that I got introduced to like almost put me off. Like it almost put me off X-Wing before I ever really got into it. Like they were just like very competitive dudes and like took this really seriously and like I was still pretty new to the game and wasn't quite sure what I was doing, and I had questions, and they just weren't good about answering them or trying to help me out at all. And they just like one by one tabled me as I showed up with like a three X Wing list into this was probably at this point like wave three. It was right before Imdar Alpha. Because uh, Imdar yeah. Alpha was like the next weekend or two weekends later. So it was right before that, and I was showing up with just X Wings. So, like, that's like. B way like Biggs walks the dogs era, right? Yeah. Ty Swarm. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah, or like soon Tierfell was really like running the roost then too with like really skilled players. And yeah, so I was just way out of my depth. And I almost got put off. So I kind of got thinking now, like, how do we avoid that? How do we get new people 
interested and get to the, like the level of like us hooked. Um, which kind of made me think of like another thing of like I think a lot of us have had the experience of like you're playing in a store, maybe you're at a tournament, maybe it's just a casual night, and somebody just happens to walk by and see you playing X Wing. And like I'm sure this has happened to both of you guys that that stop and look and that what's that? I have I definitely hear, yeah had that happen. So I want to hear from you guys for that player for that person. What's your elevator pitch for X Wing? Um, what's the thing you tell that person to try and get them interested in playing? Okay, so for the person who has already stopped and and looked at what I was doing. Yes. Okay. So just to let me back up like thirty seconds, then I guess um, this is this is something I have been trying very hard to do is to try and and get new players into my area because there's really like maybe two or three of us only. Um, mm-hmm. So one thing I have been doing is I try and fly uh, very recognizable ships when I go to the stores now. Um, it's been a while since I've gone to a store that I haven't had like a Millennium Falcon um, and either like an X wing or an A wing because. Uh, people do know those ships, so I feel like uh, they're likely to recognize this as being a Star Wars game, as opposed to if I'm flying, you know, a bunch of K wings, and they have absolutely no idea, like you know, what the heck kind of kind of universe this is. And when I say it's Star Wars, they're gonna say, "Are you sure?" Um, so okay. that's one thing I've done, right, is to try and get people to come up because Star Wars still, you know, is very popular. Is is fly the stuff that is gonna grab their attention. The Millennium Falcon models look amazing, right? Like, those things, you can see them, you know, from, you know, across the store, and people will come up, and this happened to me yesterday, you know, they're they're watching us play the game because it it seems cool. Um, And like I said, I almost spent $100 to have one shipped to Korea. Yeah, right. I came real close. That's how cool the Millennium Falcon model. Uh, so as I mean, my elevator pitch is is really not very well developed. So I'm hoping I'm going to learn some from you guys, though. But I I basically say, you know, it's X-wing the miniatures game. It's like a Star Wars. I, I describe it as as like a space chess kind of game. I feel like that's the way that makes it sound the the like least nerdy. Although you know, in a game store, I probably shouldn't have to be too concerned about whether or not it sounds super nerdy. Um, but I I you know I try to explain how it's all uh, you know very tactical. Um, and, you know, try and, try and get people to, to watch for a while. I, I generally don't go too much into it because I am, uh, you know, I often then have to focus on the game, so I, I don't do a great job with my elevator pitch, but those are the, the few things I do, at least. I'm going to get like people to look, your, but not to, to stay. I do like how, in your mind, describing it as chess is not nerdy. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it... it like, I wish I was great at chess, right? Like, I'd be super proud about that. <laughs> Where, though, if, like, I wouldn't be super proud if I'm like, yeah, I, like, play with little toy ships. Like, I, I feel like there's a stigma there with, um, you know, a grown man playing with toys. Alright, alright, we'll, we'll, we'll come back. Put a pin in that. I think that's an interesting thing to dig into a little bit more as we talk about bringing new people in. Okay. Um, but first, Jonathan, I want to hear... What's your elevator pitch when somebody stops at Showcase and uh, takes a peek at what you're doing? So, uh, first I want to say I do think chess is pretty cool. <laughs> alright, alright. Two people uh, for yeah. chess is cool and not nerdy. I mean, did you see, did you watch Queen's Gambit? That was great. I mean, everyone watched Queen's Gambit. That, I think, helped make chess less But I don't think anyone brags about being on their chess club without understanding that they're a nerd. 
<laughs> yeah. So I think, yeah, I don't think any real life chess players look like the players in Queen's Gambit necessarily. Also, but, that. Uh, yeah. So, um, so I think it depends if sort of what their yeah. So when we would play in person, it would be relatively common for someone to stop and just sort of watch, and mm-hmm. it sort of depends on. So I'd always. We'd always, I'd always introduce myself, and I'd introduce like the other people around, right? And everyone would say hi, and everyone would be friendly. And I think that's sort of the most important thing. And then, um, and then you just sort of get a sense of their level of, um, you know, war game familiar f- familiarity, miniatures familiarity. Because people coming from other game systems, I mean, are much you just you more you maybe sell them on mechanics, mm-hmm. whereas. Other people, you're like, it's Star Wars, and you get to like fly around. And for me, like, I remember the thing that really interested me in X Wing was dials and templates. And like, I really thought the idea of the maneuver dial was like fascinating. Like, secretly setting your move, and then I think that it's a pretty. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, but it feels like it's a pretty unusual mechanic. Yeah, having the maneuver dial. And um, and then. Back obviously now, you, I have a much better sense of what my opponent is planning. But when I first started, I'd always be like, "I have no idea." Like, and you're playing against someone with an e- like, if you don't know what you're doing, you have no idea what your opponent is putting down. Mm-hmm. You know, and there was that sense of like, "We who knows what's going to happen? Any crazy thing could happen." This is, you know, yeah. So uh, you know, and um. Yeah, so I'd tell them, like, we have a good community, we're always here on this night, chips are over there, you know, people are happy to lend you stuff. And then every once in a while, someone would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, sure, I'll try. And like, and then someone will lend them something. And it was, um, and then every once in a while, because I find, like, you have to be, every, like, five people you do that to, or every ten, and maybe one person, like, comes back and you see them again and they start to play. I'm sure more of them might buy stuff and take it home to their kitchen table. But those mm-hmm. kitchen table gamers, you have no idea where they go. It's like, yeah. Yep. They're kind of like a mythical beast that you know exists, but you never <laughs> see them. You know? Yep. Yeah. And, and as much as I, I poke fun at your uh, chess comment, Brett, I, I will fully admit I regularly describe the game as chess. In fact, I regularly describe it as chess Yahtzee. Um, <laughs> it's chess with dice mechanics. Um, the other thing that I, I've often, again, I, I'm really with you, Jonathan, and I do try and like gauge kind of what their level of interest is, what their like background with Star Wars is to a certain extent, what's their background with other games, do you play any other minis games? Um, and it helps that I've played, like, whereas like this is the only minis game you've ever played, Jonathan. A few of my our friends like to joke that I have played literally every minis game under the sun at some point. Is that a joke? It's mostly true. Um. So yeah, so I got, if they have played another minis game, I'm able to like maybe try and draw some parallels there. But I will say the one thing that I do actually come back to quite a bit, especially with people around our age, is did you play X Wing or Tie Fighter growing up? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. This is that in a board game. Like, I know it's not really a board game, but I just call it that because that's a parlance that a lot of people that aren't familiar with games will understand. Yeah, and like, if you yeah, say, it's, this is a miniatures war game that will yeah. scare some people away, I'm sure. 
So yeah, so if you just say, yeah, did you play X-Wing or TIE Fighter? And the, a good number of times from people our age that are Star Wars friendly, at the very least, if not Star Wars nerds, will immediately be like, oh yeah, definitely, I love TIE Fighter. I'm like, well then, have I got the board game for you? Slap the hood of this car. Um, so that's yeah, usually run my elevator pitch. I feel like you get like lots of people coming through game stores now, like looking for board games. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Because like board games is pretty is very board games are super mainstream. Yeah, they right? are, and like they're definitely back on the menu, boys. Yeah, so like people being like, "Oh, I play Settlers of Catan. Take it to ride." I also like Star Wars. I wander over to the back. What are you guys doing back here? You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like board gaming is super mainstream and like even other niche hobbies like role playing games are much more popular than they used to are very popular. I, it's, I guess it's hard for me to judge because they seem super popular. But I think from a mainstream perspective, they're just not strange anymore. Yeah, I. I, I know that sales and all these things are up, which hints at them being more popular than before, but I think. Even more than that is what you're saying, Jonathan, about, like, they're just more present than they ever were before. Yeah. Like, it's easy to go on any form of media, and there's a decent chance of hearing something about Dungeons & Dragons or a video game or a board game, whereas when we were growing up, if you wanted to know anything about Dungeons & Dragons, you had to go looking for stuff about Dungeons & Dragons. I thought I would be a Satan worshiper if I ever played Dungeons & Dragons. See? Or you fell into that camp. Which... I don't know why that scared me away, to be honest, but it did. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so I think, like, now you could tell people, I play video games, I play Dungeons & Dragons, I play a miniatures game, and they may not be into it also, but they don't think it's strange. Yeah. No, definitely. Like, I've I've definitely told non-gamer people that I am on a podcast for a game, and none of them, like, look at me like I'm a crazy person. They actually have more questions They're like, oh, like, what's the game? What is it like? And yeah. People that I know are not gamer people. But they're at least, like, starting to learn the parlance of, of the hobby. And so, yeah, so I, I do think there's a few things that I've, you guys said that I kind of would like to touch on. I think, Jonathan, I think you... I had not thought about this prior to you saying it, but I think you hit on one of the biggest things as far as expanding the community is... Showing that it's a community and that it's a welcoming group of people that will want you to also enjoy this thing with them. Right? Like, it's kind of the opposite of what happened to me that first tournament, right? Like, that almost turned me off was they were not a welcoming group of people. They seemed like a very, like, closed club. And I felt like the outsider that was, like, poking his head in. I, I, I think... I'd like to talk a little bit about that. Like, about how do you go about trying to both encourage and show a good community at your local game store or wherever you want to get people to play anymore? Um, Jonathan, what have you done at Showcase that you think has, like, helped push the community forward? Or why do you think the community at Showcase is as like friendly as it is i think um you know being so like if someone comes to for the first time i think it's important not to just stomp all over them with your meta list 
And sometimes, mm-hmm. like, there have been times, like, years in, in years past, where P- every, like, you know, like, the big tournament is coming up, like, PAX Unplugged, or it could be, like, Nova, or, like, regional season, and people are, like, practicing, or store championship season, and people are practicing their lists, and, like, practicing and practicing, and it's the only thing they brought, and someone comes in totally new, and they get stomped. And, like, and then that's, like, a huge turnoff to just have your for that to happen so i feel like it's important to be able to say uh, so often i would volunteer to play against someone who's new and then Mm. you deliberately you either bring a list that is friendlier or like simpler so that you're not like constantly explaining i get to do this thing that break because like x-wing is uh i think what it's an exception based rule set like this yep. is the rules, except this pilot gets to do this. You don't want to constantly be like, oh, these are the rules, except, oh, you know, um, Tunker Falcon can double reposit. Like, you don't want to, like, surprise them too much, like, constantly. Of, yeah. like, and then, so you want to play sort of simple, and then I find, uh, and then you want to not, not club baby seals, I guess. No, then, I, I think it makes total sense. Yeah, and then like be able to like, hey, let's rewind, let's do this this way, and then like, and then like teach them, and then I guess it really depends on who's on the other side of the table too. But like, engage your sense of like how much feedback they want and that sort of thing, and to keep it sort of casual. I can think of instances. I won't name names, but <laughs> I can think of instances where like someone new came, and then. Player, the experienced player would be like, "Okay, Captain Nim goes forward. I drop a bomb on you. I'm immune to bombs. I roll over this way. I zip away. Oh, I auto blaster turret you, and then and then and just like stomp some now." Yeah, that that sounds like a horrible experience. New player, like I I think when you're playing a new player, you want to have like no upgrade cards. Like some naked X wings, and and that is is it, right? And you want to walk them through all their triggers, and and my guy never be like, oh, missed opportunity. <laughs> like you got You got to be a good person when you're playing a new person, because otherwise they are never gonna want to play again. Because I mean, there are you know there's strict timing windows, and uh, you know it's, I mean it's easy to screw up, and if you you know, it's already intimidating enough playing a new game with someone who knows what they're doing. Where, mm-hmm. you know, if they're if they're trying to do those things like like you were just describing, like wow, I would if someone did that to me when I was trying to learn, I, I would have never played again. I can honestly say that. Yeah, yeah, and I like, think I think there's a good, especially a good tidbit in there, Jonathan, that you were saying of like store to be the person to play the newbie, but if you are really if you are personally interested in growing the hobby and growing your community at your store, then do something simple like make sure to pack a few extra ships or a simple list in case this happens. Like, just even in just like for me personally, because I do the same thing. I will readily jump in with a new player and play with them. And the way that I go about it is like, so I usually when I come into the store, I usually have a small case that has like my one to three lists that I want to fly that night which are, tend to be on the more competitive side. But if somebody walks in and wants, like, you know, a casual, quick game that's their first game, all the rest of my X-Wing stuff is just in the trunk of my car. Or most of the rest of my X-Wing stuff is just in the trunk of my car. And I can... 
sure, really quickly go out there and grab, like you said, Brett, three X-Wings and throw them down on the table and just run that. So I think like that, if you, if you are interested in being the person, if you're interested in growing your community, then you need to be prepared to do a little bit extra to make that first game fun for them. Which means putting down your meta list and playing something a little bit simpler. And Brad, I think you were going to say something else. Was I wrong? Did I cut you off? Um, I, if I was, I, I I can't recall it. I mean, as far as like the the packing stuff, I yeah, I do always just keep a, an extra list in there. Like I I always have uh, like four T seventies just packed away. They don't take up a ton of space, and the one time you need them, you'll be so glad that they're there because you know maybe you get a long term player uh, out of it. And yeah, just you know play as simple as possible like winning a casual game doesn't matter against you know a good player it certainly doesn't matter against someone who is brand new yeah exactly and one thing i tend to do too if they're if they are brand new like this is you know their first or one of their first games that they play like i do really try and like as we're setting up the game to really kind of gauge where they at where they're at with the game and if it is like super new i actually like like to tell them like all right like let's just especially if it's their first game really if it's their first game i like to run like two or three rounds of the game with like dials up perfect information as i just kind of walk them through step by step of the game because if you try and explain it right the game can sound a lot more complicated than it is but for most games and x-wing especially i do like kind of running through with like open information so they can see like if I were to explain this to you in words, it sounds complicated, but if you just see, like, alright, so I set my dial, I put my dial down. We take turns based off initiative. I flip my dial up, and then it moves. And you wouldn't know what my dial is, but... And kind of explain it that way. And go until, like, you can generally see it kind of, like, click together for them. As they kind of see everything, the pieces in motion. Coming together. So I tend to do that for, like, brand new players when we're running demos. Um, and I find that gets them a little bit more interested. And then usually once they've clicked, once it seems like they've gotten, I say like, all right, so let's like reset and play this like a real game. I think that's all very good ideas. So um, do you, do, is your uh, approach any different? This is for both of you guys. Um, if it's a newish player who comes to a tournament that you're playing in. Depends on the tournament. If it's a big tournament, no. I, I If it's a big tournament, I play it like a big tournament. I do try and be nice about things if they're a new player at a big tournament. I do try and like let them do things they forgot, remind them about their triggers for them. like Do things that I wouldn't do if I was playing you at a big tournament, Brett. Mm. You, know, you forgot, well, screw you. You shouldn't have brought three Jedi. But no, like, I'll try and like understand their list for them, and then I kind of help them through playing it. And then usually the other big thing I'll try to do at the end of the game at a tournament, and this goes for big or small, but if I'm playing a new player, one of the big things I like to do at the end of the tournament is talk with them. Talk to them about the game, about what happened, why I did the things I did, ask them why they made some of the decisions they made, and then like, don't try and make it like you're trying to explain their list or teach them about their list, but just say like, Phrase it simply as, like, 
oh, I was expecting you to blank. Or I really thought you were going to go this way. I really thought you were going to shoot at Poe this turn. And just kind of it, kind of talk through the game with them as a new player and just like help them see that like especially like as a if it is a tournament and I am trying to play to win and I do win that game, I don't want them to be discouraged by that. I want them to see like it was a bunch of small choices that led to like the outcome of the game. And just by slowly getting better at those small choices, they can get better at the game themselves. And that's all it takes is realizing like that little tidbit. What yeah. about you, Jonathan? Do you play differently against yeah. newbies at tournaments? Uh, club them. Club them like baby <laughs> seals. No, uh, I say the. No, I mean, I think you can win and still be nice about it. You can still exactly. be friendly. You can still make the game a fun experience because you could probably think of. I can think of times I've lost games and it was a fun game. And at the end, you're like, all right, yeah. that was a great game. I don't mind. And I think it's. You know, I don't have a problem with. Most of the time, I don't have a problem with, like, losing. I try not to, like, let it weigh on me. But, like, like to be able to enjoy the moment, like, to make the game enjoyable for them. Um, as for um, do I treat them different from other people, um, maybe, maybe. I, I tend to be pretty lenient. Um, I tend to be pretty lenient in game situations. Most of the, like, within reason, you know. Yep. Like I, yeah. I so yeah, I, mean, I sort of... like regular games. I'll usually like give more veteran players like I'll remind you once kind of mentality. I think I with newbie players I stretch it out to like I'll remind you like three to five times. Yeah, I think that's a whole different topic in its own yeah. on like <laughs> you know <laughs> quote sportsmanship unquote or like yeah that at the table that. It's sort of unrelated to this, but uh, so yeah, I'd like to. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm. I'm, I'm okay. So, uh, um, when I first started playing, I first went to the store. Um, there, there were a decent amount of people playing in this this event, um, and no one had ever gone outside of like the store or you know maybe like a store or a town over or something. So, like this monthly tournament. This little kit, right, that had these stupid little acrylic target or tractor tokens was like the big X-Wing event of the month for everyone who was playing in that tournament. Um, and I, I feel like it's kind of really important that if you get that community leader like Jonathan was, for instance, down in, in Showcase, that you want it to be someone who goes to bigger events, right? Like at this point, I could not care less how I do in a little monthly tournament. I'm going there because it's fun. Because I want to, you know, get to play X-Wing, and I'm probably just going there to, to hang out with my friends for the most part. Like, I'm not super worried about whether or not I win a little monthly kit tournament. Uh, when I first started, though, like, before I went to, to the second tournament at that store, I mean, my god, I probably put in, like, 20 reps with my list for this little kit tournament because I was so nervous to, to be playing with new people. So I think it's really important that you have someone, right, who goes to, you know, Nova Nationals or World, something like that, where they are able to welcome the new people in, even for the tournament setting, and they don't care if they win, they don't care if they lose, they're, they're really there to try and help other people have fun. Um... And, like, I, I have a confession to make of, of an own experience of mine. I try to be very lenient with new people in tournaments, particularly the, the monthly ones. 
Um, there was this one time, though, I'm playing a game. I'm, the, like, there was a big personality clash between me and this one person. I was not enjoying it, and they were a newish person, and they missed a trigger. And for one of the first times ever, I was just like, no, sorry, that, that kind of, that window passed. And I got to say, it's been like three years, and it is still eating away at me that I did something like that. Like, it's so important, I think, to to not be ultra competitive with with uh, newer people. I mean, probably just in general at these uh, monthly tournaments. Like Jonathan said, that's a, a topic for another day. But uh, particularly with new people, I think it's important, especially at a tournament, because it's... It's one thing to, to get up the courage to go out to a store, which was very tough for me. Like, I'm a very big introvert. Uh, but to go out to a tournament where you're going to be there for, you know, maybe the entire day. Uh, I mean, it was it was like four rounds I think I went to. And, like, that was more of one single game than I had ever played of anything before in my life. So it's so outside of a normal, like, expectation and a comfort zone. So I think it's really important to be lenient and welcoming in those situations. And yes, Zach, you can tell me I'm a jerk. I'm I'm waiting for it. You already feel bad enough. You I know do. what you did. I, I st- like I said, three years later, I still think about it. I think about it more often than I should. I Yeah, I mean, I think Brett, as like a parent, I mean you understand like sometimes I don't know, sometimes you just have to let things go. Like sometimes you have like a what I mean is you have, like, you know, like, there's a clash of some sort, and you know that inside you could escalate it, or you could just let it go. And in dealing with kids a lot, I'm just like, you just let it go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not escalate. Like, you could yell or scream or, like, something, you like, you know, and you know that it's inappropriate, you know, so inside, but sometimes you have that urge to do it. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Oh, like, I 100% then, know what you mean. Trust yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, like you, you want to, like, part of you, you're like, you know you don't, you shouldn't yell in this moment, but you want to, and then you just sort of let it go, you know? Don't be, like, I, okay, so I had this, I was in a, I forget which tournament it was. Oh, it must have been PAX, because D, D Yoon was uh, marshalling. And the very first round, my first round opponent calls the judge on me on the very first round, <laughs> like, in setup. And part of me is like, I thought, oh, part of me was like, I'm going to be snarky and mean. Or like, I, part of me was like, really irritated, but I just let it go. And we had a great game, and he shook my hand afterwards, and it was great. And then it ended fine. But, uh, yeah, but like, I was like, slightly on tilt a little bit at the beginning. Cause when, and then I was like, I'll just let this go. It's not a big deal, you know? Yeah, and that's yeah. definitely how I try and handle things. The majority of the time, like this was an aberration yeah. that I I did that, but like I said, it still it still eats away at me. <laughs> yeah, I, and just for the right, I'll tell you what I did that made the guy call the judge on me. So I was setting up a falcon at forty five degree angle in the corner, and like I just set up used I don't know like the one bank and like a like a straight template, and it did extend slightly beyond like the range one band from the my end. You know, judge. So that, that's like, <laughs> That's why he called the judge, and then I was, and then when he called the judge, I was like, you know, I know that asteroid is two two. I know that that's where it is. You know, we are just setting up. I know exactly where that asteroid is. I'm just putting this at a forty five degree angle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but then he was, and then he's like, sort of faltered, and he's like, oh, uh, and then I was like, you know, 
if this is going to eat away at you all game, but let's just have the judge. I don't mind. And I just let it go. And uh, yeah, and it's just a lot easier. Not just next swing, but in life. Just don't let those little things. Don't sweat those little things. Mm-hmm. Almost like there was a Disney movie about letting it go or something. You know, I have. It's been on televisions in rooms I've been in many, many times, but I've never actually watched the whole movie. Oh my gosh. I've seen that thing at least a hundred times. It's like on a lot. I don't have kids, but I lived in Korea when it came out, so I saw it at least a half dozen times in schools there. Oh, Zach, remind me later to ask you where you would recommend getting Korean food. Because I had some Korean fried uh, Korean fried chicken. It is oh, it's so delicious. I just want your recommendations later. All right, it's probably Andy's. Andy's, where's that? In Fishtown. Uh, right. Like two blocks from my house. It is fantastic. You know any place in the suburbs? All right, later. We'll see. We'll see. Well, I have a list. I have a list. Okay. Um, but yes. So on the. Wrapping up our bringing in new blood topic. Um, I think, yeah, I think we've hit on a lot of like good things here. I think a lot of it starts with kind of, yeah, getting that good community going in the first place and then just trying to sh- like open the doors of that community to people that are interested. Show them that, like, this is a cool game. There are cool people that play it. We're super excited to have you potentially play it with us. And then, yeah, like I said, being ready to be that person that steps up. I think I can't reiterate that enough. And, like, I know, like, with you co-hosts, I'm preaching to the choir here. But to anyone that's listening, like, if you are interested in growing the community at your store, if you are interested in just getting more people to play this game, then you need to take that step. You need to be that person that reaches out to them gives them a nice, simple demo game, and pushes them into the hobby. Don't expect somebody else is going to do it. Where they will then see that the game is nothing like the demo game. (laughs) Yeah. Where, like, in my case of, they end up in a group that is not welcoming at all, and comes very close to missing out on being the next hit podcast host. (laughs) So, so yeah. Um... Excellent. I think that was a good talk. I think we had uh, some really interesting to say there. Brett, do you think you learned anything new about getting your community going up more in your area? I think your elevator pitches are fantastic. Um, and that's something I'm really going to work on. Uh, I I really liked the... Uh, I, I guess I kind of just always view people who are, don't play the game as not understanding it, but I guess there probably is a lot of overlap with uh, other war games out there. So I, mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, focusing on my target audience is going to be an important thing to uh, start working on. One thing I also always try and do um, is I carry around, like, an extra set of uh, acrylic templates. Um, and I have given those just out to people who, like, have started playing the game. Because I, I think, like, if you get something, like, new and, and kind of nicer than usual it might make you a little bit more excited about it. So I, I usually always make sure I, I have a set to give out to people. I mean, sometimes it's just range rulers. I can't even count the number of range ruler sets I've given out to people at tournaments, but um, 
I, I, I don't know if it really helps or not, but it, it makes me feel like I'm doing something to try and help. I found a set of range rulers in their bag behind my dryer. My clothes dryer. I have no idea how they got back there. I just assumed that all my range rulers are spawning at this point. Yeah. They're, they're rabbits. And I agree. And I think one other tip um, I was going to say that I forgot is also don't just wait for someone to walk up to your game. I've done this, especially at like top deck, where like if I see somebody that I don't recognize looking through or looking at the X-Wing ships and seemingly interested, you know, in what's in the store, like, I try and give him my elevator pitch there. Like, I think, especially in, like, a place like Top Deck, where it's not, it's pretty easy as, like, a customer to not realize that there's the whole back room where people are playing games. So, like, if I see someone up around the X-Wing ships, that's a great place to start giving your elevator pitch. If they're looking at the ships, they're already interested. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. So I think in your store, like, so like getting to know like the employees at the store and getting them to like say, hey, you know, on this night, people come and play. That's helpful too. Or having signage up or even putting like, yeah, like if you put the signs where the X Wing stuff is, like a little flyer that says, Tuesday night is X-Wing night. You know, it makes, it just plants that idea in their head. And I remember I've talked to the employees at various stores a lot. And like the number of times they're like, oh yeah, we sell the stuff. We sell the stuff and we never see those people again. You know, you know that there are people out there. Like I, I know they talk about the people who buy the models just to put on their desks. I, I, I don't imagine how... I wouldn't do that, so I yeah, don't know. I can't imagine really that's a really good thing. population. I agree. <laughs> but, like, I think there are a lot of people... I mean, there are many people who buy it and play it at home, you know? Because, yeah. like, I really, when I really think back about it, like, 10 years ago, I thought it was strange to go to the store and play. I'd be like, mm-hmm. why would I go to the store to play? And it felt really awkward and strange. I still don't understand most like of the time. Uh, I'm still <laughs> like, you can just come to my house. Like, I have a table we could use. Are you inviting us over right now? Anytime you guys want to come up, you are always invited. All right, I'll be in the car soon. Okay, I'll be asleep. <laughs> you said anytime. You're more than welcome. I just might not be conscious. Um, but the one thing I will say, just to follow up on Jonathan's thing, that I would also recommend is it's good to, like, out, like talk, like, definitely get to know the employees that your local game store. They're good people. Get to talk with them. Have a chat with them. Don't expect them to push your game night for you. It is in their best interest, but they're also just wildly overworked, busy people at a game store. So if you're really wanting to like grow your community, like Jonathan said, ask them if you can go hang a flyer by the X-Wing ships. Ask them, like, I've known a few gamesters that have, like, you know, a cork board up where the people could put up flyers. Ask them if you can put a flyer up there. Ask, like, see what you can do instead of asking them to do something. And they'll be much more open and willing and be like, oh, hex yes. Like, anything you want to do to help promote our store? Great. Anything you ask us to do? They're probably super into it, but they're so busy that they'll probably forget. To be entirely honest. So, try and do everything you can to grow the community. Don't try and, like, 
pushes off onto other people. Not saying you were doing that, Jonathan, at all. Just chiming in. The other thing, like, if you set a X-Wig night at your local store, someone has to be there <laughs> that night. Yes. Because yes. you don't want a new player walking in having no one be there. Definitely that. Definitely that. So what would you do if you're in the middle, like, there's two people there. It, it's you and Zach who are there, right? It's Tuesday. You're playing. A new person walks in. Do you guys just stop your game and play with the new person? I think, I mean, we definitely talk to them, right? Yes. Introduce ourselves. And, um, it dep- and then either if they're happy watching, we could just play and like explain the game along the way. And then the next game, you let them in, right? Yeah. If we're close, if we just started, we could do like sort of three player thing, you know? Or, I mean, I think either Zach or I would be happy to sit, you know, for a, you know. But I think um, it dep- if it's early in the evening, I think if it's early in the evening and we're in the middle of our game, we'd probably finish the game while th- walking them through it and then give them the next game. Yeah, gotcha. I agree. It's it's a whole lot of depends for me. Yeah, if it's late in the evening and they come in, they can't stay long, you know, or if we're at a point where it's very clear how our game is going, you know, I don't, I wouldn't have a problem like just stopping and then, you know, and then letting them play or doing some sort of three-way game or something. Yep. No, I agree. Like, it really depends on a lot of stuff, but it's like, if it comes down to them watch, is there only chances to have them watch me play or me stopping playing so they can get their one game of the night in? I'll try and find a way to stop and let them get their game of the night in. But if it's, yeah, if it's early in the day and there's going to be plenty of chances for them to get a game in, then, yeah, I'd probably, like, invite them to watch this, see how this one goes, ask, I'd really try and encourage them to ask questions. And really kind of talk through what I'm doing on my turns. And then jump in with them a game as soon as that one wraps up. And always invite them to Wawa if you walk to Wawa. Always do that. It's a very specific tip. The Wawa is not within walking distance of Showcase in Swarthmore. Well, that's why I said it's a very specific tip. <laughs> but anywho, besides Wawa, if you're going to get food or something, if there's something like your community group does on your game night, invite them into that. Like, it's small things like that that really like get people to like your community, not just for the game, but as a community. That yeah, there's sense. this. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a rest there's a Chinese restaurant in the same plaza as Showcase Swarthmore, and I'd go there to get food like forty nights out of forty Tuesday nights out of the year, you know. And I haven't been there in like you know fourteen fifteen months. They probably think I died, but uh, often like a group of us would go after because they'd be open till like ten or so. Um, question for you guys: What do you think of Aces High as an introduction to new players? Is it too complicated, or is it good because you respawn again and again and again? I think it's good for newer players, but not brand new players. Okay. Like, I too, think compli- too many move- upgrades, too many moving parts. It helps to have, like, at least some grasp of the base game before jumping into it. I don't think you need to be 
I don't think you need to have like a great grasp on the game, but it's helpful to just know like the turn mechanics. And then, like you said, then it's actually quite nice because, yeah, it's the whole like, all right, well, it's very fast paced, very like, all right, well, I died. Have some giggles and throw in another ship and let's do this again. But I, I do think it's a good early format, if not a brand new format. Yeah, I think it would be better to do like a modified demo game personally. The There's just so many things going on in, in like a real Aces High game. I, it really, I guess, probably depends how many people are playing, but, I mean, if it's a pretty full Aces High scenario, I would get very overwhelmed, I think, as a new player. Mm-hmm. But it is All still, right. like, my favorite way to play. It's super fun. It is a good time. All right, do you guys have any uh, last tips for people trying to get new players into the X-Wing? Jonathan, any last-second tips? Uh, too much pressure. Uh, no, no more tips. Okay. Brett? No. I'm going to work on it, though. Hopefully yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll have some next time we do this. All right, my last-second tip is, you know, if you're ever dealing with a new player and you're not sure what you would want to do, just remember WWJD, what would Jonathan do? Do that. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Do we have any uh, shout-outs or last-minute check-ins for the episode? Nothing on my end. All right. Well, then, thank you all for listening. Uh, Be back in a couple weeks with another episode. Fly straight, fly casual. Good night, everyone. Bye.